Hello again. Welcome to the first Llama podcast of 2022. Let's look to the future. What are the most exciting things currently from scientific, technological, investment point of view? Llama is live long and master aging. I'm Peter Bose. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Number one, gene editing and gene therapy. Second is longevity in the pill, a new class of drugs which will fight aging rather than particular disease. And the third one is our ability to regenerate organs. This episode is brought to you in association with Clinique La Prairie, the award-winning spa clinic and pioneering health and wellness destination nestled on the shores of Lake Geneva in Montreux, Switzerland. Combining preventative medicine with bespoke lifestyle and nutrition plans, Clinique La Prairie offers a holistic approach to living fuller, healthier, and longer lives. Now, how do you feel about living to the age of 200? Is that fantasy? Is it science fiction? Or is it feasible, given the current state of longevity science? Well, our guest today has spent a lot of time pondering that very question. Sergei Jung is one of the loudest, one of the most rational, one of the most fascinating voices in the longevity space. As he points out in his new book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young, he is not a scientist or a technology innovator. His first degree was in chemical engineering. His second was in business. But Sergei's work exploring the infinite possibilities that come with what he calls the longevity revolution is in a class of its own. Sergei Young, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Hi, Peter. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I'm very excited to talk to you as well. It's a wonderful book, and we'll get onto it in some detail in a second. And also that question about reaching the age of 200. I'm just curious to start with, uh, incidentally, you're joining us from Moscow yep. in Russia. Is there much of a longevity science scene in Moscow? Not really. I mean, if you look at longevity technology and longevity science, I mean, we geographically, we can see two big hubs. So one is U.S., the other one is in China. And like, you know, pre-2016, you can combine both. Post-2016, you need to focus on just one of them. There's too many kind of too, uh, sensitivities, if you want, between two hubs. So, you know, we, uh, Longevity Vision Fund and everything I do is is you know, mostly focused on U.S. Understood. So the longevity revolution, what is that? So um, we're living in, in unique moments of time where... Um, scientific discoveries and technological breakthroughs finally give us the opportunity to break the sound barrier, the maximum lifespan limit on Earth, which is currently 122 years. So, and this is the first time in the human history when we can uh, focus on fighting aging and age-related diseases by using so many means, including influencing that on a genetic level, and therefore, being able to reverse aging by itself. So that's that's great, and that's that's the essence of longevity revolution. But it, it, basically, there are so many trends which are you know forming this you know moment and this concept of longevity revolution from environment uh, becoming much more longevity and health friendly. We can discuss that to. Uh, scientific breakthroughs, specifically in gene editing or regenerative medicine, our ability to replace, regenerate organs or create longevity in the pill, new class of drugs which will fight aging in its core, 
or some regulatory changes like recognizing aging as disease or important risk factor and therefore creating sustainable and viable economic and regulatory model to investing, fighting aging and age-related diseases and some crazy stuff like augmented humans and um, thinking and working for the future when man and machine will become one and therefore we will change our purely biological view on, on the human body and complement it with engineering view. And you mentioned the maximum known longevity at yeah. the moment is 122. And that, of course, is because there's a very famous lady who reached that age, actually 122 and six months. And this is something you, you write about in your book. Yes. So um, thanks to this beautiful uh, French lady, actually, who died uh, 20 years ago, the current record is 122 years. Uh, it is interesting. It seemed to many of us that Mother Nature put this like a natural break uh, or expiry date on on our body and mind and its ability to to live somewhere around 120 uh, years. And what we've done so far is actually maximum lifespan has been always somewhere around 120 uh, years. And unless you read Old Testament where it's 900 years, but you need to believe in that. So, but then the average lifespan on Earth has been increasing all the time. We managed to increase it by two times from 35 to somewhere around 70, 75 years in the last 100 years or so. And it's been basically um, mostly done by avoiding early death. So like early death was like the only thing that we were fighting with. And right now, again, first in human history, we can actually switch to more like an age reversal mode if you want, on so many levels, including genetic ones. It's quite a good line, isn't it? And you use it in your book, What's the Secret to Living Longer? First, do not die. Yeah. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I mean, it sounds obvious, but like in, in, in so many cases, we've seen when people do uh, detrimental choices, if you want, for their own lifespan and health span as well. And this is what I discuss in, uh, in the last part of the book. It's a bonus chapter. Uh, it's actually called Who Wants to Live Forever?, but it uh, it covers 10 longevity choices that you can make today to live a healthier, happier, and uh, longer version of uh, your life. And one is that what I call is don't die stupid or uh, the polite version of that is um, passive longevity. It's just making safe choices like avoid tobacco smoking, which is minus 10 years from your life. Always using seat belts. Uh, it's, a, it's another two years to your lifespan. And uh, we, we're making these choices every day. So yeah, I have a few friends who just uh, uh, decided they need to ride a motorcycle uh, after the age of 40. Uh, it's probably midlife crisis, but your chances to die in, in a motorcycle accident is 17 times, 17, one, seven times more than chances to die in a car accident. So, and, and, and I think it's a smart choice to kind of switch from one mean of transportation to the other one. And, and by the way, this is just the other sign of longevity evolution and, and environment and technology supporting our health and longevity. When we switch to driverless cars, a car which, which will be driven by computer, uh, and artificial intelligence, not by human intelligence and human being, mortality rates uh, for driverless car accidents as 10 times below the current mortality rates for car accidents as well. So we're constantly improving everything around us to support our longer, healthier and safer living. 
I think that's a great point. I, I'm always super conscious. I live in Los Angeles that whenever I get into my car on the freeway, that that is probably the highest risk of my day of getting from A to B. Exactly. On the four or five through Los Angeles. That, yeah, uh, it, yeah. It is the most danger that I'm putting myself at risk of. <laughs> We're actually speaking from two capitals of uh, traffic jams. So we need to, to have someone are. from New York. Yeah. It's top three cities in the world in terms of tra- traffic jams. Uh, at New York, LA, and uh, Moscow. But I, I suppose uh, the, the little edge I have on you in Los Angeles is at least there's a lot of longevity innovation going on in this city, University of Southern California. Oh, yeah. Especially the Longevity Institute there and UCLA. I mean, California is a hugely exciting place to, to live. And I'm, I'm sure you know many of the, the scientists in, involved in the in the longevity space here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at um, where where the centers of innovation is, is mostly, you know, Boston and Boston area and LA and Bay Area on the West Coast. So that's that's kind of two places. And that's why LVF have two offices, one in, in Boston, the other one is uh, Santa Monica on Santa Monica Boulevard. Beautiful Santa Monica, yes. I just want to go back to the extraordinary French lady who got to 122. I think she really illustrates that any of us could get there and we just don't really know who and we all have very different lifestyles. She yeah. had a very interesting relationship, didn't she, with her lawyer? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. I, uh, well, let's discuss the story, right? Uh, and uh, what has happened, uh, it was common and it's still common in some of the countries, like when you, you know, make sure your flat or apartment or the house, you know, goes to someone else in exchange of him or her covering your uh, almost like a retirement cost every month. So she made a deal that uh, upon her death, the apartment that she owns uh, it will uh, will be transferred to her uh, lawyer. And this guy took the um, uh, obligation to pay her a certain amount of money in every month. What has happened? And uh, she's been obviously lucky in genetic lottery and he hasn't realized that. A poor guy, he died before she died. And actually, his wife uh, has taken an obligation to pay that. So it was like pretty expensive purchase uh, for the apartment. But I do think it's illustrate the other point, which is right now, we don't have a right model for longer living people. So we look at centenarians and, and like... Uh, with the exception of the centenarians, you know, uh, right now they they they're more or less concentrated around blue zones or um, the countries with great healthcare system and a great kind of climate composition to support that. They all been lucky in genetic lottery, and this is what we try to change. This is what we try to avoid in the current process of development solution against aging. So. If you look at the past and you look today, you need to be genetically lucky to live beyond 100 years. And uh, what we're trying to do is, uh, what if we we will be able to amend our genetic code and help, you know, all 3,000 genes inside our DNA, which are responsible for longer and healthier living, to manifest themselves, to work properly inside um, your body. And, uh, well, that's, that's the whole idea. So rather than just relying on luck, what we want to do is just to have a systematic set of interventions, technologies, scientific discoveries, which will help all of us to live longer and healthier. And that's why this field is is so exciting. And let's delve into it a bit further. First of all, though, I just want to embellish a little bit on what I said in my 
introduction, and that is that your name, actually quite literally, has become synonymous with this real explosion in interest that we've seen in recent years surrounding longevity and the quest to better understand the ageing process. You're an investor, you're a prolific writer, you're an evangelist, I think, when it comes to understanding the scientific breakthroughs that relate to longevity. So what I'm curious about is how it actually started for you. Did something happen in your life yes. early on to, to pique your interest in this? Yes. So, well, think about health. Health is always important for us, but it's never urgent in majority of cases. So our life is always full of you know, a lot of problems which are both urgent and important. And what, we, what unfortunately, like 90% of of us needs is to go through our personal health crisis, to be much more interested, to start develop the interest uh, towards health, healthy living, longevity overall. So I had two. One was a lung cancer case for my father back in 2005. He survived, but the quality of his life has never recovered. And then for me, it was back in 2014 when I discovered I have extremely high cholesterol level, which is one of the important risk factors for heart disease. And um, I had a choice to live on medication for the rest of my life, just taking this medication every day, uh, yeah, taking a special class of drugs called statins. We all know that. And this is not a drama, you know, depending on the country. Well, well, I know the figure for U.S., like 32% of people in U.S. are suffering from high cholesterol level. Well, that's the way statistics work, by the way. So that's just a normal distribution. But, well, the other option was just change my lifestyle and rely on the ability of my body to heal itself, not from all diseases, but just explore this relationship and correlation between changes in lifestyle and, and my state of my health. So it's very simple changes in my physical activity level, in uh, my diet and supplementation uh, produced almost the same, almost the same result. Like, you know, if I would take this statins and I was so impressed that I can change this in six months without relying on uh, uh, big pharma. And uh, well, this is this whole thing started and uh, I, I started to dig into that and uh, I've been investing for 20 years. So I thought if I would like to support the development of the space, I needed to, to set up relatively small at this time uh, longevity vision fund. So we, we can support scientists and entrepreneurs who are working on bringing affordable and accessible version of longevity to the world. And this is where this uh, whole thing started. Uh, and um, uh, frankly speaking, I saved so many lives. I'm not MD, so but I've been blessed with the opportunity to help a lot of people. And it's all the same scenario. I push someone to do comprehensive medical screening. He or she discovers early stage cancer. Uh, because it's early stage, recovery rates these days are up to 90 or even 100% depending on the cancer type. So they call me back and saying, well, Sergey, you saved my life. And you feel so good. So you're always on the hook of, uh, you know, doing these great things to other people. And again, it's such a rare opportunity without uh, spending decades of, of uh, building MD career, profession and passion has been able to help so many people. And I'm so delighted, like almost like every second company, the startup, the scientific group that we are supporting through Longevity Vision Fund, they bringing 10 to 20, not percent, but times 
improvement against current uh, intervention or uh, in comparison to current protocol to treat, you know, certain condition. And it's just amazing to be part of this whole movement to transform our healthcare to be much more efficient, cheaper, preventive, uh, data-driven, technology-based. So it's been, you know, one of the most rewarding parts and periods of my life. There are infinite possibilities, as you suggest. Just going back to your inspirations as you were growing up, I'm curious about what kind of childhood you had. And also, just a little aside, did you choose your parents very well to get that second name of Young? <laughs> Great. Um, well, let's go to this kind of Russian route. So um, before age of 17, I was living in a really small town. Uh, some people say they're from the middle of nowhere. I'm from the end of nowhere. My hometown with 15,000 people uh, living there and just one factory, like chemical factory. That's why chemical engineering was my first degree. It was on the shore of Japanese Sea in the Russian far, far east. It was actually closer to Japan. It was 200 miles to Japan, just across the sea to Hokkaido Island. Uh, then to regional capital, which is Vladivostok. So it's just interesting. It was during communist times. And every evening I would just stay in my room and I had a huge world map on my wall and I was traveling in my dreams. Yeah. Just you know, going through the countries. And, um, on one side, it was amazing, specifically thinking about the countries, which are much, much smaller than USSR at this time or USA. And, uh, you know, all these smaller countries like San Marino, Vatican, um, uh, Luxembourg, uh, in Europe, my mind couldn't really imagine how it feels to, to live on, you know, there's just few acres of land and it's called country. But I do, I did realize at this time that because of the communist regime, the travel of my dream would be go to Poland or to Hungary or to Czechoslovakia, followed by KGB agent for the week. And that's it. Like, you know, I, 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 I was pretty mature before the age of 17 and I moved to Moscow to do my uh, first degree. And then I moved to London to do my next degree that I will never be able to see US. I will never be able to see Japan. And then perestroika came, you know, Gorbachev time, and uh, this whole thing changed. It was amazing. And I was, I'm so grateful. You know, I have this opportunity to travel around the world. So I'm speaking with you from Moscow. Next week, I'm on Maldives. Next week, I'm in London. Then I'm in Boston. It buys a capital of the world. And uh, it feels really great that I can leverage the best of the world and the best of the countries that we work uh through Longevity Vision Fund and uh, change so many lives or be part of this movement of uh, bringing the digital version of healthcare uh, to the world. Um, speaking about the name, uh, I changed my name when I started to work in in US. So if you look at statistics, like 27% of Americans are afraid of Russians, just simply on, on political premise. And yeah. before I did that, so I, I created this Sergey Young guy. So before I did that, the first conversation, the, the first 15 minutes of conversation would be about Russia. Like, guys, you still have like bears walking in the streets of Moscow. <laughs> what about vodka? You know, what about sanctions? And like, can I have this conversation? Yes, I can. But like, is it the best time, uh, the best, best use of my time, given, you know, my mission, my desire to work on the future? 
for the planet rather than explaining this whole, you know, political nuances, which you know, we currently have between two countries. And, uh, well, if you look at, um, figure for China, like 47% of, uh, people are afraid of, uh, Chinese. So I can just, uh, you know, feel sorry about my, you know, Chinese friends. So what I did, I, I just, uh, I, I registered trademark. Sergey Yank is, uh, is my brand name that I'm using, uh, to when I work on longevity. And it's, and uh, it's immediately changed everything. So from minute, from the first minute, I can concentrate on longevity, on, on technologies, on, on beautiful scientific discoveries, on, on a mission and aspiration and desire and ability for all of us to live much longer healthy and happier life. I think it was an inspired move. And uh, let's move forward then and talk about the science and talk about longevity. And I guess at some point during that incredible journey that you've just described, you started to think about what if, what if I could, or if any of us could get to the age of 200. And that's really where you start mm -hmm. your book. And it's beautifully written. It's, it's very, it is quite inspiring the way that you imagine what it could be like to wake up on your 200th birthday. And this is, as you describe it, an existence that is maintained or life is maintained through technology. And you've got robots running through your home and through your body and cursing through your veins and repairing damage. And a body that is, as you describe it, biologically 175 years younger than your chronological age. And amazingly, a body that still looks like you are 25 <laughs> years old as you look in the mirror. Now, is this hugely wishful thinking? Is it, as I mentioned earlier, purely yeah. science fiction at this stage? Or is it really a realistic vision of, of what will be the future? Yeah, so... And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Look, well, first of all, this is what I call in the book as a far horizon of longevity innovations. This is 25, 50 years from, from now. I mean, we don't know how the world will look like in uh, 50 years from now. But uh, And then before we go into like technological details of that, we just need to recognize there's a huge ethical aspect behind that. There's so many yeah. ethical dilemmas that uh, I cover actually in the last chapter of the book called Morality of Immortality. And in a nutshell, we have creating technologies to extend our life, but we haven't created life that we want to extend. 60 to 80% of people say no to any life extension opportunity, even theoretical one in today's world. So we need to sort out, you know, what is happening with the planet, with our society, with human beings before we embrace that. So, but having said that, there are, there are so many technologies which are currently in early development stage, which are going to be part of our future. And um, just to go through some of them, uh, well, human brain AI integration, or it's called brain-computer interface. And the best example is Elon Musk and what he does in Neuralink. Uh, he currently does it with uh, pigs and some other animals, but 
I'm pretty sure uh, he's going to get approval to work with humans pretty soon. So, and if you are afraid of integrating your human intelligence with artificial intelligence, I just wanted to share a few thoughts. Um, well, number one, we are already integrated with our smartphones. We just use very inefficient interface. I'm using my eyes, my ears, my fingers to type something. So it, it's obviously the, the next step to just to integrate, to, to, to have the level of integration at a much higher level, uh, if you want. So that's one. Second, every time I'm scared about, about some of the technologies, I'm thinking about uh, the group of people on earth today, which would benefit from that. So if you're scared of the genetic editing, for example, think about people who has rare genetic diseases and they are not so rare, like 400 million people on earth are suffering from so-called rare diseases. So what if we can help them? So that's one. Or brain-computer interface is, uh, I'm always thinking about people who are suffering from neurogenerative diseases like dementia. I don't know if you watched the movie called The Father with Sir uh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah. The whole movie is just done through the eyes of the person who's suffering from dementia. And it's, it's, it's just a heartbreaking movie. And when I'm, when I'm thinking about brain-computer interface, what if we can help people who, who are suffering from Alzheimer's today to live the last years uh, of their life um, in the best possible way and be essential part of community or the family, be an asset rather than liability. So that's that's technology number one. Uh, technology number two is human avatars. And um, we at Longevity Vision Fund were about to invest in some of them. We decided that we will not because we right now we're going through the huge kind of crossroad on where technology on avatars will go. On one side, there are a number of companies, uh, mostly Japanese and, and American ones, are working on robotic avatars. And this is great. I can sense you know, the avatar to Mars while I'm here with my family and still can I have my Mars uh, experience. This is real story. Um, well, the problem is, is you would need to create a robot. And, uh, and like everything in material world is, is expensive. And as the other route, which is currently in development, uh, and it's actually in uh, developing much faster is virtual avatars. And we, I did discuss it in the book as well. Uh, it's actually really cheap to create the, your own avatar. And, um, I'm actually working on a project right now to, and this is my resolution for the next 12 months to create a virtual avatar for Sergey Young. Cause I'm, I'm, I, everything I do in longevity is pro bono, right? This is my contribution to the world. So I do have a lot of demand for speaking. On the other side, you know, I'm like my biological body and mind has, uh, well, certain resource, you know, has like 24 hours, you know, seven days a week limitation. So I just want to have like the other Sergey Young guy to like co-host some podcasts with me or speak in the conferences uh, as well. So I just started to work with the team from London to create uh, the virtual avatar. On the other side, which is you know, more of the common use uh, for us in the future, you know, I wouldn't mind to speak to the virtual avatar of my grandfather. He was uh, so instrumental in terms of like growing me up or you know, helping me to understand the world better. So if I can have like 30 minutes with him, you know, every month with a virtual version of him, he died 25 years ago. Um, I think it's kind of cool. This whole wisdom transfer, uh, you know, can happen through by this means. So again, every time you are scared and afraid of, you know, particular technology, think about like the positive use of that. 
what else? Internet of bodies, what I call and what I explain in the book, we're all going to be full of sensors. I'm full of sensors and, and we're speaking today, Peter. Uh, I think we both are. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you too. Yeah, I can see you have your Aura Ring. I have my Whoop. Yeah. Apple Watch, continuous glucose monitor. Uh, they're all going to be uh, embedded in our body. And what will happen? We all, similar to Internet of Things, as we know it today, the world will have Internet of Bodies. We're all going to be interconnected. And decentralized AI-based uh, network going to monitor and help us to manage our own health. Uh, or, you know, we, we can discuss nanobots, right? This kind of small robots, which which going to be flowing in our blood and other liquids inside our body and help us to fight cancer cells or, you know, take care of any other health problems as well. So on one side, this is, sounds like, you know, science fiction. On the other side, you know, for all of the four technologies that I um, highlighted in the last uh, three to five minutes, I already know quite a few startups who are working on development of that. I, I even seen like a small, you know, board of this size, like, uh, you know, one centimeter, and they managed to put like a four engines there. It's like a small rocket. Uh, it's unbelievable you know, to see this level of development of uh, these technologies. Yeah, it is clearly, and you've just explained it beautifully. The, the possibilities are, are very exciting and, and very realistic. But you, you said something just now that, that piqued my interest, because my biggest interest, I'm interested, I'm excited about the, the possibilities for 50 years' time, 100 years' time. But I'm also passionately interested in right now and the next 20 or 30 years. And you mentioned people with Alzheimer's and using technology and the science perhaps to make life easier for people with Alzheimer's or, let's hope, find a cure for Alzheimer's and other conditions that are similar to it. And focus on health span. And I don't want to give the impression that your book is all about the distant future, yeah. because it, it's very much about the present as well, which arguably you could say is perhaps more important to the vast sure. majority of people right now. And I think that's where the science is equally exciting, that we're, A, we're beginning to understand the concept of health span. And I think more and more people are beginning to, to realise what that is as opposed to lifespan. But the technology we talked about the, the ring and the, and the watch and the, and the wearables that we're using right now that could really make a, a huge difference. Exactly. So uh, I don't even know where to start. There's so many exciting things which are happening now. So well, let's talk about, before we talk about today, which is like super important, this is my favorite horizon because we all can change it tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, well, let's talk about what is in development today and, and will be massively and widely available in the next 5, 10, 15 years. In the book, and, and you're right, Peter, this is the main part of the book, we concentrate on so-called the near horizon of longevity innovations. And when people ask me, like, what are the key three things that I'm seeing there? What are, what are the most exciting things currently from scientific, technological, investment point of view? I'm always talking about number one, gene editing and gene therapy. Second is longevity in the pill, a new class of drugs which will fight aging rather than particular disease. And the third one is our ability to regenerate organs. Called It's part of regenerative medicine. It's called organ regeneration. Um, so let's cover that a little bit. Um, uh, gene editing, uh, gene therapy, uh, it, it's, it, it's actually called genomic medicine uh, overall. 25 years ago, it took 13 years uh, here in the U.S. Uh, and $3 billion to sequence one human genome. 
Imagine that. Right now, just a few hours and a few hundred dollars. That's it. And look at gene therapy. We all today, we all participating in a global positive, I do hope it's positive experiment in gene therapy because uh, Moderna, you know, some other mRNA vaccines uh, are the outcome of gene therapy. So that's amazing. And again, it's, it's, it, we already know all 3000 genes inside our DNA, which are responsible for longer living so-called longevity gene. So it's it's up to us to modify it and help people to live longer. And it's not about lifespan, it's about health span. I, I've never seen any startup who was working on artificially extending our like a number of lives without influencing uh, a number of years, without influencing the quality of these years. Um, so again, gene editing, gene therapy, uh, amazing. We've done already so many things. Uh, I was just looking at it. It's titled one of the articles in, I think it was New York Times a couple of months ago, and it says Moderna vaccine has been developed in the course of two days. Imagine that. You know, a hundred years ago, it will take us, take us decades to develop vaccine. Yeah. Uh, and actually, usually and discover this by coincidence, like two thirds of, you know, previous discoveries in the field of medicine and, um, and healthcare to fight this kind of virus. We would lose yeah, I don't know, up to 10% of people on earth or probably more from, from the virus like COVID. So that's one. Second is longevity in the pill. And um, again, if you if you look at the drugs today, they all kind of trying to fight, you know, usually symptoms, but uh, sometimes, you know, going to the roots of, you know, particular disease. But we all know after age of 50, we all, you know, our chances to get one of the four killer monster diseases like heart disease, cancer, diabetes, uh, neurogenerative diseases are uh, increasing exponentially. In fact, these four killer monster diseases that I just mentioned are responsible for 90% of deaths after the age of 50. So what's going to happen uh, if you if you will be able to influence your um like aging processes inside your body on on different levels whether it's genetic epigenetic uh, or on cellular level what will happen your chances to die and suffer from age related diseases will decrease and that's that's the beauty so i'm not working on creating you know forever young humans who are always 25 years old or 25 years young I'm I'm working on fighting these diseases, so we don't need to suffer uh, from that. And and longevity in the pill in five, ten, fifteen years from now, you can see your doctor, you can go to pharmacy, and uh, and you're gonna see like a special class of drug. Uh, this can be one of the existing drugs like metformin or rapamycin. I mean, for me, it's a generic drug. It's been known for probably 60 years for now. It's a diabetes drug. And um, we just need to repurpose that. And we need to go through the trial with humans before we uh, embrace and use it as a longevity drug. Or it can easily be the new drug developed with the help of artificial intelligence. Because AI today, uh, we, we already invested in two companies which use uh, artificial intelligence to help drug discovery process. With the help of AI, we can compress the two to three years of drug discovery process into two or three months. Mm. Imagine like what's the efficiency gain for the industry and for all of us as uh, consumers and, and patients uh, would be. And the third piece is um, organ regeneration. Right. And the field of uh, regenerative medicine. And there are so many technologies which are currently in development phase which will help us to replace organs like we replace spare parts in our cars. And um, it can go like a 3D bioprinting route. 
And there are a number of companies, uh, pretty large companies who are using today biomaterial to 3D print organs. More than 90% of these organs end up in labs. They help uh, academia to do faster, cheaper trials and, and obviously safer trials rather than using uh, human organs. Or we can use some of the animal material to regrow some of the organs, like it's called external transport, uh, transportation, uh, like a using combining like the best of the animal world and the human world to uh, produce these organs. Or we can use our lymph nodes to regrow organs. And this is the company that I, I cover in the book. It's called Lightgenesis. This is, we invested two years ago. They based in Pittsburgh and we invested in them. What they do, they take donor liver, uh, split it in 50 to 75 pieces and put these pieces in, in, you know, individual patients. And each of them in the course of three to six months has been able to develop, uh, like a, additional liver inside the lymph node, which support the function of your uh, liver, which is currently not working. And, and it's just, it's an opportunity to use one donor organ to help 50 to 75 people. Unlike today, where we have one-to-one donor and recipient relationship, and it's really expensive. We have 117,000 people on the waiting list in US only waiting for donor organs. And with this vast array of potential developments, developments that are here and now or or just around the immediate corner that are going to help everyday people improve their everyday health and perhaps extend their health span. How important is it as a communicator, which you are, to involve as many people and get those people to actually understand what you're saying? And by that, I mean, there's, a, I think, a temptation from some people to ridicule those in the longevity community as being extreme or perhaps being a little sci-fi too futuristic and not thinking too much about the present day. And it always strikes me, often the word obsessive is used. You're obsessed with not growing old or you're obsessed with staying young. Shouldn't you be thinking about other things? It's sometimes the criticism. I'm sure you've heard that kind of thing. What is your answer to that? Yeah, I love love all of these people and I just want to give them a choice. That's it. I'm not even going into arguments, right? So I choose my mission. I want to help the world. No one can argue that uh, more data-driven, technology-based version of medicine, which would cost all of us 10 to 20 times less, than today and have much better efficiency, will save more lives, uh, will improve the quality of people's life and going to be affordable and accessible to everyone. And, you know, all of the technologies that we're investing today, they're going to be available to us not in 10, 20 years. Like some of them, you know, some of like affordable ultrasound devices that we invested in three years ago, going to be on the market uh, early next year. And they cost 50, five zero times less than the ultrasound device you have in the hospital next door. This is amazing. Or colon cancer test that we are invested in. It's an opportunity for all of us to test, to do a diagnostic of early stage colon cancer. It's, it's, it's a very dangerous type of cancer because usually it's mani- when it manifests itself, it's too late to save the person and to do it even at home. And it's you know, between 100 and $200 and it's much cheaper than any other alternative in terms of diagnostic, like colonoscopy, right? Which is anywhere between 
thousand and two thousand dollars. Yeah, like if drugs going to be developed at much lower cost, which much higher efficiency, you know, how you can argue with that. So, you know, I know what I want and uh, I'm trying to help, you know, as many people as possible. And I'm not a big fan of immortality. Some people say like, you know, I don't care. You know, I want to be immortal. I don't want to be immortal, but I want to have more healthy and happy decades in my life uh, so I can, you know, hang around with my, you know, grand, grand, grandkids and do so many things on this planet. I'm totally with you. I'm not for immortality and eternal life either. I think there's there are far greater beneficial things to to think about that that are going to affect you and I over the next, well, however many decades we have, whether it's four, five or or 10 decades, who knows what the maximum age is going to be by the time you and I are getting up to those um, higher echelons, shall we say. And you've kind of answered my next question, and you've answered it in the same way that most people answer it, and that is, what motivates you to aspire to a great health span? And you mentioned being with grandchildren. Very often the answer is not about me, as some people might think it is. It is about others that you Mm. want to still be with, you can share your wisdom with, you can spend your time with, and perhaps share the fruits of your labour with. And is that for you the main point of getting old and being well, that it's it's not just a me-me thing? Of course, yeah. Like I, I do think that so many of us who found passion in this life discovered like we are happy when we are given more than we take. And I'm at this period of my life, you know, I discovered my passion back in 2014 with the personal health crisis. And like, uh, this is like the only thing which makes me happy, like seeing you know, other people succeeding, being, a hel- being you know, in a healthy, happy state. That's the most rewarding thing in, in my life. And with everything that you've learned, vast array of, of knowledge over the, the decades you've been working in this area, how do you live your life every day with your own longevity in mind? If you could give me a, a few bullet points of your yeah. must-do activities every day, perhaps your routine sure. that uh, you adhere to to pursue your own long life. Well, first of all, let's start with the annual thing, right? Uh, so the most important day of your life every year is uh, your medical screening day, okay? This is super important to to be able to do early diagnostic of all these, you know, four cal- you know, killer uh, monster diseases is super important. So that's that's uh, that's important. But on everyday basis, uh, it's about diet, physical exercise, and what I call peace of mind. The importance of mental health, right? So diet is I'm heavily plant based. I'm not vegetarian or vegan. I do a lot of I, I do have a lot of sympathy for this choice, but you know I do it. Uh, you know, wild fish, it's, it's my, you know, mostly my, uh, biggest source of, uh, proteins. Sometimes I very rarely, you know, have organic meat, uh, very rarely, you know, I don't have any sugar in my diet and, you know, all of, uh, the sweet drinks replaced with, uh, a lot of water, tea and coffee. I love coffee and, uh, once a week, a uh, red wine. I'm guilty of that as well. Guilty? Some would say you don't need to be guilty about red wine. (laughs) I agree with you, Peter. And uh, I do fasting. So I fast 36 hours every week from Monday evening to Wednesday morning. So we're speaking on on Wednesday. I just break my fast uh, 
this morning and it's amazing like 36 hours without food just simply running on water and, and herbal tea it does a great job in terms of like detoxifying the body and and bringing you you know more and more energy and desire to live and you get that mental high that that buzz yeah synapses snapping yeah. sort of feeling after about 10 to 12 hours of fasting uh, yes it's actually it's, it feels a little bit spiritual in a way well that's why fasting is 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 a uh, as a, as a routine, right? As a protocol, as part of so many religions in the world. Uh, physical exercise, you know, I have my 10,000 steps a day. You know, I'm using my wearables to, uh, close the circles and, uh, and I usually take like, even though if I'm in the office, say I'm taking like 30 minutes walk and, you know, making sure I do it at least twice a day. Um, to do it. We, so we're about to finish. It's uh, evening here in Moscow. So I'll have my Zoom physical exercise with the trainer in uh, 15 minutes from now. But like literally like two thirds of physical activity agenda is like 10,000 steps a day. And like we, you can put whatever you want on top of that. You can do yoga, weightlifting, uh, cardio, etc. Like whatever you like, it's, uh, it's your choice. But, but you can integrate walking into any part of your life. And in terms of what I call peace of mind, it's literally about three things for me. One is sleep. My rule is uh, eight hours in the bed, which is at least seven hours of sleep every day. As, as my very good friend, the founder of Longevity Clinic in London, uh, Dr. Jake Cradle told me once, uh, well, Sergey, every evening we can visit the uh, most powerful clinic in the world. We go to bed and we sleep. So this is really important for, you know, so many aspects of our health, mindfulness and meditation. You know, I meditate somewhere on, you know, 10 to 12 minutes uh, every day, every day in the morning. And the final piece of this peace of mind is just sense of purpose, being the best version of yourself, helping other people, sharing more uh, than you take, uh, being, you know, integrated into your community and competing with yourself, really. That's it. So, Young, it's been a huge pleasure to chat. All the very best with the book and everything that you do. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Peter. And thanks, everyone. Stay healthy and happy. It's a great message. In the show notes for this episode, you'll find a link to Sergey's book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young, some of his other work and his bio. There's also a transcript of this conversation, all at the Live Long and Master Aging website, LamaPodcasts.com. That's double L-A-M-A podcast.com. In social media, you'll find us at Lama Podcast. You can direct message me at Peter Bowes. The Lama Podcast is a Healthspan Media production. If you have concerns about your health or you're considering a new diet or exercise regime, I strongly recommend that you discuss it with your own doctor or healthcare professional first, someone who understands your health history. We don't give advice here, but we do share ideas in this very exciting field of human longevity. Hopefully that's what we've managed to do today with Sergey. Thank you very much for listening.